Wait for it. Wait for it. Finally. Oh, we're there. It only took like 12 minutes this time. Um, wow. the aliens or Bloody Mary. You'll get it. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. And we're going to start uh, in alphabetical order and ladies first, because why not? So Miss Chloe Gardner, can you introduce yourself to our viewing audience who might not remember your last interview? No, it's been just a little bit. I am once again Chloe Gardner. You've, you've, you've confused the Gardner thing a few times now. Um, I'm Chloe Gardner, the fantasy and sci-fi author of the the Verity universe and multiple other series. I love to write. I love to talk about science fiction and fantasy, and I am thrilled to be here. Outstanding. We are thrilled that you are here. And then because we are gentlemen, uh, Stabby Jr., Maddie, can you introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience? Um, okay. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. Okay. Sorry, it's like it's not saying I'm speaking. It's so laggy. But uh, I'm Maddie. I'm gonna be a future screenwriter, and like last time, I am gonna be better than Tim Burton one day. And I'm also thrilled <laughs> to be here. Outstanding. Yeah. We are glad you're here. Um, James, Mister, he publishes as J. E. Uh, Pittman. But can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Hi, I'm James, as he said, uh, published as J.E. Pittman. Uh, my main series is the Felix Chance series, which is pretty much up the topic, up the alley of the topic tonight. It's all about uh, urban legends and fantasy and urban fantasy. So uh, glad to be here. Outstanding. And since that sounds interesting and that's right up Stabby's alley, I mean, she is the queen of horror. We will definitely have to coordinate offline after this show and get you on to talk about just your series. We'll try to hold her back, though. She might go full fangirl and... It gets a little ugly. Nick has to clean up the pieces. It's 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 a thing. <laughs> yeah, poor Nick. A broom if you need it. Yeah, <laughs> she flew hers and lost it. Uh, the the repo man got it from her. But uh, job packs work better. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that. Uh, I'll do better next time, Stabby. All right, uh, and John, can you introduce yourself to people that haven't watched your other episodes with us? Hi, uh, I'm John Apple, uh, penciler, inker. And uh, all-around smartass. Uh, and I, douche. Well, everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah, I mean, that's commendable. Uh, I made a career of it in the Army. I would have made Staff Sergeant if I was less of a douche. So, well, I know. am a Staff Sergeant. Staff so Sergeant Summer's Eve. Yes. Uh, so, apparently, this is what I learned in the Army, Stabby, is when an officer asks your opinion, they don't really want your opinion. They want their opinion regurgitated back to them. I made the mistake of actually giving my opinion, and they took my E6 promotion packet, and they threw it in file 13. Oh, that's rude. I know. Don't ask my opinion. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I know. I promise I wouldn't tell on you, Nick. But uh, anyway, all right. So we've got two guests. I'm out. <laughs> who hasn't answered the religion question. So, Chloe, since the last time you were on, we added a religion question because we are not knuckle-dragging troglodytes. We are civilized-ish. And the ish is doing a lot of heavy lifting. But coffee or tea, and how do you take it? I'm not a grown-up, so I drink Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. None of these grown up. I, I still drink my soda, man. Atta girl. 
All right. And then James, because you are new, you get to answer all of the religion questions. Are you ready for this, sir? There is a wrong answer. All right. I'm ready. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? All right. As a longtime listener, I've considered this one quite a bit. Uh, I grew up in the religion of Star Wars. I found Star Trek later in life, but I got to go Firefly. Outstanding answer. We just got Stabby to watch the whole series. Uh, so now she knows all of our rage. Fox, where good shows go to die. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Summer Glau is also who you cast if you want your show to die. Kiss of my death. issue wasn't that. Okay, so my issue is a little bit that they didn't give us all the answers that I wanted. But my biggest issue was you guys all told me beforehand that I wouldn't get all my answers. Yeah, you so you I have been warned. I didn't say crap. I did, though. I'm All like, right. You're not going to get any answers. Two by two, hands of blue. Forget about it. You're and then when they come to a graphic novel, they still don't give you any answers, those bastards. Yeah. All right. And, uh, James, so you can join the religion question um, trilogy. We've got, because we're polytheistic, Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, or Lord of the Rings. All right. <clears throat> Each one... Uh, a different category, so Lord of the Rings for the film adaptation. Okay. Little time for the books, and Game of Thrones for the TV series. Well thought out. I give it a four out of five stars. Thank you. Done. Well done. All right, and now you get to add, ask, or ask. Wow, I can speak. I promise. You get to answer the final question, sir. Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Uh, well, I'm a Southern boy, so tea, iced, uh, used to be with sugar. I have to drink the uh, unsweetened, a.k.a. poison now, but uh, yeah. I have my own non-sugar sweetener. And uh, when that fails, whiskey. Attaboy. Ooh, what <laughs> kind of whiskey and how do you take it? This is an important question. All right. You need to take it on ice or just... Uh, you don't want to poison it with the water um, or a good bourbon. Okay. All right. Does that an acceptable answer, Nick and John, my my uh, bourbon aficionados? I'll yeah, let it slide. Yeah, I'm I still don't, a, I don't a grown up. Enough I, to harass him yet? Yeah, I'm not a grown up. I drink my uh, my whiskey with my Coke. You know, it's just you know one day I'll be a grown up and drink it straight, what or maybe I'll be for the good stuff and it won't need to be hidden behind the Coke. Oh, I drink fine with ginger ale. Oh, that's okay. That's what you drink. I still drink my tequila or my vodka, excuse me, with orange juice too, because you know that makes it healthier. It's not a fruit, right? That's like it's just a smoothie at that point. You got your potato vodka and you got your orange juice, so you got your vegetables and your fruit. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna tell my doctor what I'm doing for my health. I'm like, I'm having a lot of smoothies, doctor. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, the topic today is urban legends that tease and titillate us. So, first, what makes an urban legend? Very good backstory. Yeah, it's something that probably happened. More than likely, it's it was truthful, and then throughout the years, it gets elaborated exaggerated, on. elaborated on. Everybody has a little two cents. They it turns into that tale outside the campfire, you know. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, it's basically modern mythology and modern fairy tales. Yeah. 
so I, I did a quick something mimetic about it that this is something that can come up out of multiple cultures on different pathways, but it explains stuff that people see in life commonly. And it, it makes the scary stuff that you don't understand at least have an explanation that everybody can agree on or at least pretend to agree on. And it's funny okay. how uh, so many cultures can take different phenomena and spin very similar urban legends about them. Like mm -hmm. I was just kind of brushing up on a few earlier. Every culture has a bathroom urban legend, whether it's something coming from the mirror, something making you choose between mm -hmm. like different things in the bathroom or just something just stalking in the bathroom. Everyone has a different culture and a different bathrooms thing. Bathrooms are scary places, man. <laughs> Especially if they don't flush. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I went Chloe on this one. Our car went out a couple weeks ago while I was in the shower. Oh no! So I started screaming for Nick, and my son tries to come and he's like, "Mom, the power went out." No shit! Thanks for the update, shit ass. Shower <laughs> in the dark. In the dark, it's scary, man. So an urban guy, I got flashlights strategically placed throughout the house just in case stuff like that happens. She's like, Nick, come in here. I'm like, well, it's dark. She's, yep, she's in the bathroom. Hold on, let me grab this guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, according to, to Google, an uh, urban legend is a myth or tale of a modern genre of, and a modern genre of folklore consisting of fictional stories associated with the macabre, superstition, ghosts, demons, cryptids, extraterrestrials, creepypasta, not sure what that is, and other fear-generating narrative elements. Often, there, but not How'd you say that word? Creepypasta? Yeah, I've macabre? wondered about that myself. Macabre? It's a term, but... Not familiar with it. Say, say it one more time for me, Jay. Macabre, M A C A B R E. Macabre, maybe? Macabre. I only see it in writing, all right? I don't talk horror with people in real life. Did you not watch Elvira's telephone? I watched her, uh, her, her movies the other day. Her movie Macabre? You were the ones who introduced me to all things dark. Like, I was a good boy before I met you guys. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I believe that. Well, now you know it's macabre and all right. And uh, they often, but not always, wine. They are often, but not always, having a root in actual history of an area. Yeah. So that is why, like you know, Bloody Mary is sometimes tied to uh, the Scottish Queen, but not always. Just like the uh, or the handmaid of Count. Who? What is it? Um, the guy that did all the stuck guys on the poles. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. The oh, Vlad Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. The guy that was basis for the Dracula. Vlad Tepes or something like that. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know. Vlad Dracul. Vlad, son of the dragon. So, Maddie, what is it about urban legends that you enjoy so much that you volunteered to come back? I like the way that they're always speculated and how mysterious they are. It it kind of it keeps drawing me in with how mysterious they get and how in depth they can get it's like it, it just makes me want to know more okay and for everyone else that will we'll go from there what is it about urban legends that you guys like i like the way all that right they slow describe... down everybody now everybody go at once <laughs> I like the way that they describe people's relationship to 
nature and to culture and to the, the, the situation going on around them. You look at stories like vampires and you're trying to figure out what happens to you after you die. Do you come back and, and, and drain life off of people who are still alive? Do you need to shove bricks into somebody's mouth to make sure that they don't eat you after they're dead? It's, it's trying to solve big, hard problems with stories. And I love that. And it, it explains a lot about why people feel the way that they do about the things that scare them. It's fascinating. Okay. Uh, I like that. Uh, what about you, James? What is it about urban legends that you like so much you wrote books in that space? Uh, because it's basically the everyday on ordinary. You just kind of like little bits of magic in the real world because... Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got like a Bigfoot story. Everybody's got some kind of like ghost sighting or, you know, something that went bump in the dark that uh, they just couldn't explain, mm -hmm. regardless of any strategically placed uh, flashlights. So it's just kind of like at the edge of, you know, your your consciousness and your awareness, like every day, it's always with us. So I like playing off of that in my writing. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, John? A little bit to what everyone else has said. Uh, I, I've always been enamored with horror of various degrees for as long as I can remember. And I, I look at a lot of these uh, urban legends as real or potentially real horror. Because sometimes what you don't see is what scares you so much. And for whatever reason, my crazy ass can't seem to get enough of it. Okay. Uh, Stabby Stab and Nick, you guys want to weigh in? Because you were the ones that suggested the topic. Yeah, um, I like, because it is modern folklore. You know, when mm -hmm. people talk about urban legends, they're talking about scary shit that they heard at a slumber party once or around a campfire. So you have, you know, and some of them are warnings, like, don't drink Pepsi while you're eating pop rocks, you know, or somebody has a step, uh, a story from their town where some little old lady wanted to dry her dog faster after a bath and threw it in a microwave or, uh, isn't that uh, what you're supposed to do with <laughs> Yeah. And that's just out of, uh, kindness to humanity. <laughs> not, you're not trying to dry him. You're trying to kill him, but, uh, little devil mutts. <laughs> And then you got, uh, you know, like the late, the, the girl that fell asleep and she got bit by a spider and it started swelling and eventually it popped and all these other little spiders came out, you know, and creeped her out, you know, or, you know, uh, when a stranger calls, that was all based off a of urban legend, you know, like, why aren't you checking the children? You know, it was, it's stuff to, to scare folk or have some sort of cautionary tale, mm -hmm. you know, like I've, I've never eaten pop rocks and was like, uh, grab a soda and be like, oh, no, I don't want my stomach to explode. Let me get a water, which was horrible. One day I had Pepsi with Pop Rocks, and that shit changed my life. That was amazing. <laughs> it was a spiritual experience because it was just fizzy and popping in my mouth, and you could feel it like go all the way down to your stomach, and you get a big burp after it, and you're like, I am the king of the world. You know? <laughs> all right, stabby. Try to bring this back to the realm of, I don't know, classy or something. So I think when it comes to urban legends, it's it's the good and the bad. Because let's face it, there is good and there is bad. Um, you guys were talking about Bloody Mary. You know, that could 
easily be, you know, your brain trying to, you know, make you realize that somebody in your life or yourself is going through postpartum. But then you have... You can eyeball me all you want. You no, I just, I've never heard that before, so you get the side eye for that. You haven't been through it. Um, it. It's a whole different... That story takes on a whole different life when you think you're going to chop your kid's fingers off by clipping their nails, okay? Oh, uh, make sure you say that. Just saying. The whole all new right. fear. New fear unlocked. But, but there's the good side of it, too, if you think about it, because you have... You know, Santa Claus. Oh. Because at one point or another, you know, he was just a dude trying to do something nice for a poor village, but now he's, you know, zipping around the world in one night, giving presents to every freaking kid. So I I take him as an urban legend any day of the week. Yeah, I like cartel members. Right I like to play with the the strong sense of good and evil that you get out of urban legends, where you have something that you can just go against with everything you've got, and and there is evil in the world, and in people it's complicated. But if if it's just an evil thing, you can kill that sucker dead, and you don't have to really stop and think about it. You can go and fight the evil, and you can be on the side of good, and it becomes simple. And the hero stories associated with urban legends are, are just kind of freeing in a way to talk about things in a way that the world is not naturally that simple. So for me, the reason I enjoy urban legends, even before I thought, okay, this is definitely horror, it's, it's basically modern oral history. So it's like a tie with our past. Those stories that we tell our, ourselves, that our parents told themselves when they were 12, maybe even their parents, like it, it's a connection with those that went before us and those that will come after who will tell the same damn cheesy ghost stories around the campfire when they're at a Boy Scout trip that we told X number of years ago. So, I also like that uh, bad, the bad people in those folk, uh, folk tales always get what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always enjoyed that about them as well. Except candy, man. Well, <laughs> never said it was perfect. Dude's still out there as far as we still we all know. So you mentioned Candyman. Does everybody we'll, we'll go around the, the table as it were. Do we have a favorite uh urban legend? Not off the top of my head. I mean I'm I may get, uh like some more than others, but I'm just, just look at them as generally as horror and either I like it or I don't. I don't know. For me, my favorite was always uh, Bigfoot, because the idea that something that's uh, basically prehistoric could still exist is just kind of appealing to the history nerd in me. So I don't know. I've always had a special place in my heart for Bigfoot. I laugh hysterically when people put on the Bigfoot suits and then they try to scare people, only they don't take into account the people they're scaring have guns and trucks and they get shot and run over. I mean, Darwinism for the win, right? Uh, but the, all those stories around Bigfoot just amuse me. And how, how they've all dried up once modern cell phones and cameras just, you know, and why is it is there always the most terrible picture you could possibly ever take? Yeah, it's because uh, if you if you I'm convinced all of them are frauds. So if you want yeah. to make fraud believable, you have to make it harder to detect your fraud. So the blurry image. I was just so scared I was shaken. I wanted to be whether, true. Whether it's Bigfoot, Loch Ness, the Jersey Devil, anything like that is always uh, the the absolute. Worst photograph in existence. 
Yes. I think that's what made them so much fun. <laughs> Is it real? Is it? All right, so Maddie, you were asking uh, about your favorite, if it counted, and since we've all said yes, why don't you tell us yours? Um, uh, mine would be Slenderman. I, I, I kind of grew up with that. I grew up watching videos with it. it. It's, it's been an interest to me, especially with like uh the whole speculation of like uh him leaving pages behind. I watched the documentary. Uh, it's really good, by the way. A lot of people think it's boring. I think it's good. It, I, I think it's something that came more naturally to me. It's kind of just the way he works. It, it, it's really interesting to me. Yeah, did you watch both documentaries on that? There's two. There's two. There's one about the story of how he came to be and the one of the girls that took it way too yeah, literal. Yeah, I've, I've seen the one about the, the girls, but I haven't seen the one about uh, how he came to be. You know, mm -hmm. Maddie, with us being from Las Vegas, um, we actually have a really big one, and that's Gators and Lake Mead. I how would you get? I don't, I don't, I don't like that one. I, as much as I hate to say it, I don't like that one. That's because you swim in the water. <laughs> I've never swam in Lake Mead, and I never will. Uh, that 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 place creeps me out. Ghouls. <laughs> Okay, so what about you, James? Do you have a favorite urban legend? Uh, so I've been deep diving a lot lately. Bigfoot is uh, near and dear to my heart because Bigfoot was a main character in the last book. Um, I've also been researching uh, the urban legends around stuff like Mount Shasta and the, like the shadow people. Those are pretty fun. Uh, just kind of, you know, you, you, you go out to the cliffs at sunset and you see these like seven foot tall shadows just looming up and just vanishing and it's just all kinds of unexplained stuff with that i also really enjoy um liminal spaces like the, the 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 clip rooms and you know you just kind of fall through reality type things those are always fun it's like you never know where you're going to like stumble through a portal to some place you can't get out of mm -hmm. so that's kind of always it's like kind of creepy kind of like ooh. I'm going to go look for that. Let's see if we can find something. Okay. All right, John. You've had time to think. Do you have a favorite yet? No peer pressure or nothing. No, I'm, I'm not big on favorites. Usually either I like something or I don't. Because I'm, I'm not enthralled. That's not the right word. Fascinated is probably a good word. Just about the general idea of how can something like this actually happen and then people believe it so urgently they like they they couldn't possibly think that it could never actually happen but yet they still can't provide a legible picture of whatever it is that, that they're talking about like bigfoot or uh sometimes different cu cultures are just as interesting doesn't australia have one like the the baba duke or something like that I think that's that like a their movie. Well, yeah, but I'm sure. I think it was like their version of like Slenderman or something like that. So I've always found that interesting too to see how different cultures interpret pretty much the same thing. All right, Stabby and uh, and Nick. I know you guys got a lot to say on this one. Um, with when it comes to urban legends, I 
I've always been kind of fascinated by like the alligators in New York sewers, you know, um, the Wendigo up, up north, you know, uh, Yeti, which is like Alaskan Bigfoot. Um, there's something else I was just thinking about them too. It's never a Wendigo. It's always a Wendigo. The Winchesters told me that. <laughs> uh, so I carry salt and shit in my trunk. Well, you know, Scooby Doo taught me that it's always the uh, the man in the mask. So That's Scooby Doo, yeah. <laughs> it's old man Withers. He's been behind kid. it the whole time, gang. Always. <laughs> so, uh, that's the cool thing about urban legends. Um, they range from, from big and small to an oral history, which I dig. I mean, a lot of religions are based on that. I'm not saying that I don't believe in one of them. Um, but it's a way to explain the unexplainable. It's like, oh, man, all my goats are missing. Well, that's good. You know, if you're down south, all the Orly, man, that's a chupacabra, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if you're over by like the Rio Grande River and you hear like somebody crying, that's La Llorena. Stay away from there. We are too um, close to Mexico. You need to stop talking about that. I, okay, so here's a funny story about how that urban legend relates to my job and how I got people to quit crossing for the night. I just put <laughs> it on a speaker of a woman, wait, you know, weeping. While there was a large group getting ready to cross the Rio Grande River, and all I heard was like, "Oh, esa la llorena," you know, and they like didn't cross. Actually, went further back into Mexico because they thought the uh, the weeping woman was there waiting for them. Mm-hmm. And it was just it, like it's just es mio. So there was actually the CIA used that for psyops against the um, North Vietnamese because they were so superstitious, <laughs> where they would actually play the sounds of like people whimpering and telling them it's not worth it to go back. And they thought it was the souls of the, um, of their dead that were not buried and given whatever their funeral process was. So they were cursed to, to wander forever. And so they had them convinced through, you know, just dropping speakers uh, that would play these sounds that the, not to invade certain areas because you know, the ghosts. I like so you could, Yeah. You could weaponize it. Uh, too, if people are superstitious, I've heard stories that uh, they convinced people in Afghanistan that the um, um, Garmin GPS systems were actually lie detector tests, and they would electrocute you if you got it if you lied. And so they'd have one of the GIs put their hand on it and say, "Are you an American soldier?" No, and then he'd like flop on the ground like he was being electrocuted. Um, and then they would get the other, and they, they, that's how they get information out of them. So like, there's I think urban legends at their root, I think are probably based on our, our superstition, which is part of our more primal nature. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. the, the monkeys that were a little bit more afraid didn't get eaten by the lions because they stayed in the groups, right? It's Darwinism, basically. I am that monkey. Yeah. Around here, we call it the dumb duck. <laughs> He's the, the one duck. who lands all by himself and then everybody comes and joins in. But the dumb duck is the one who gets eat. Yeah. So what about you, Stabby? What is it that uh, about urban legends? Do you have a favorite? I think... Is it I La Llorena? Like... Tell me why it's La Llorena. <laughs> <laughs> we are too Language. It's my one F-bomb. I never use them. <laughs> She's like, I've cast an episode on this episode. <laughs> I get five a season. All right, favorite. Um, every state has one or multiple, depending on the state. And I just find it so fascinating when you're 
driving through it when you're going to stay there to find out what it is. And one specific one that I've heard all the way from here to Ohio and back is the stairs in the woods. You randomly come across a set of stairs in the woods, leave them alone. Don't go up them. Don't go near them. Don't talk about them. Don't take pictures of them. Walk away. Because it's stairs to the other side. And you ain't coming back. Do you have to pay taxes there? Because if you don't, I'm going. <laughs> that one's actually international. It's not just the United States. You get those in like Japan and Europe too that I've, I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's just stairs to the other side. They just mysteriously appear in the woods. And uh, the unwary go up them. Even the cops in, I was living in Illinois, the cops out there were like, yo, you didn't see shit. You didn't see nothing. Like, but, I mean, I saw them and they're like, no, you fucking did it. Ooh, she said a naughty word, JR. (laughs) You kiss your mother with that mouth? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They taught me that word. Okay, and so we don't want her mother to come and haunt us. So one of us, because you mentioned Las Vegas, I, I don't even know that your mom's dead. That probably was the wrong phrase of... Um, no, she's yeah. very well alive. Good, good. Um, so one of the urban legends that came up on my search for Las Vegas was the idea of the decomposing body in the mattress, which is kind of funny, I guess, because I've heard that, like, I, you know, I, I grew up in a, a coastal town, too, a resort town, too. And I heard the same thing, like, oh, there's the mattress, the decomposing body under the mattress. And so, like, when I would stay at hotels as a kid, I would always look under the bed because I was just convinced I was just going to find a body. So I think the transient, like, stories associated with transient housing, like where, where you know, it's not your house, so you don't have the safety of that. And then the, the scary things are there. I, I think there's some universality in that, too. Mm-hmm. So is there any, before we go to the commercial, does anybody have the um, a favorite local one? It's not specifically local to me, but I really like the, um, the, the architectural patterns that they use to keep demons out and to keep witches out and things where you, you put a wall right inside of the door because the demon can't turn once he comes into your house. Or the the stairs that are uneven because witches can't go up uneven stairs yeah, and stuff stairs. like that. The and the 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 piles of salt that you leave to keep things from messing with Spirits. you because you have to st- stop and count all of the salt. All of the these strange behaviors that you look you look at them now, or you you even find the the evidence of them in 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 places that people have been and. The, they they put so much energy into preventing the bad things from happening because they could personify them, and yeah, those are really fun. And a lot of them are super local. What about you, James? Do you have any favorite local ones? Uh, again, it's kind of more universal, but everyone has this kind of flavor, like the, you know the churchyard grims, where the idea that the first body, the spirit of the first body, buried in a church graveyard protects and guards that graveyard so what they would do was they would unfortunately kill a dog and bury the dog there and that's what became um 
the guardian of that churchyard. So you got the churchyard grim. Uh, that one's, I know it's in South Carolina, it's in Georgia. Uh, it goes all the way back to like Welsh mythology and English mythology and lore. So, you know, it's one of those things that's like, it always pops back up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've heard similar stories too. What about you, Chloe? Um, there's a, a really interesting one that just familiar to the, 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 the graveyard guardian. I think it's a, a Jewish one where uh, a spirit would come and protect graveyards and the souls of the dead. And, and if you came and defaced graves, that spirit would come after you and kill you um, for being disrespectful to the, the, the spirits that live there in a graveyard. Um, I've, I've played with a lot of these things and they get complicated in my head because I remember the way that I played with them and I hate doing a disservice to the original story, but they they share so many themes that they, they all get real tangled up in my head with, with what was that original story and what did I play with and what did somebody else play with and which was the, what was that on Lost Girl? Dang, Lost Girl has messed up all of these stories in my head. For a second there, I thought you were actually playing with the, uh, the Graveyard Guardians. I oh, <laughs> no, I don't go dance with them. <laughs> they can't they keep it or rhythm. It's horrible. I, I we have one that's local. They um they call it Elbow Road. It's just a sharp turn. So you know when they say slow down on this section, they mean it. But of course, kids don't listen. So every couple of years, somebody dies there. So the uh, the legend is that you know the ghost of you know so and so who died is wandering, trying to get you to die too, which. I don't know. It's just a weird, but I've, I've done some look and there's similar one in Chicago. There's a similar one in New York where for whatever reason you die and you want other people to die with you on the same road you died. I, I've seen some, some. Yeah. And there's been some additions to that one too. Um, a lot of the, that urban legend in particular parts, usually I think in the Midwest and the South, um, if you go down that particularly, you know, haunted death road and you park your car at the time of death of that person, um, you'll feel the car move like they're pushing it. They, they want you to go further down that road. And then when you go and you check and there's like handprints on there, some bullshit, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of urban legends are done as a warning. So mm -hmm. man, most yeah. of the ones I know of are some kind of, some kind of warning, like don't do this or so-and-so is going to come and get you. So the kind of scary tales that the parents would tell kids back in the day, don't go out there because insert scary thing, but really they were worried about something as mundane as a bear. Yeah. 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 All over the place. Don't go out into the woods because evil lurks there. The big bad wolf will get you. Baba, you guys out there, man. Well, uh, in case we scared you and we got you down, we're going to get your heart rate back up with this awesome commercial for the most amazing job I've had in a while. Take that, Starbucks.
All right. We got to work on that smooth transition now. That's uh, Stabby. It's first attempt at making a commercial. I would say A for effort, nine out of 10 stars. Yay. Yay. He's learning how to do video editing for us. He's doing good. I was late because I was editing a video. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> to get Maddie's face blurred on previous episodes. Look, you didn't tell us she was in Witsecca, right? If you had told me, I'd have known to do that. Dude, I don't I work with sec. I get him to the stash house. I don't keep the records. Look, all right. I'm just saying I'm some of the mobs. Just, I'm sorry. Some of the mobs have disappeared from Las Vegas. I'm not saying it had anything to do with Stabby's testimony, but I'm not not saying it either. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So let's get back to urban legends before we put John to sleep. So, John, have you written about any urban legends? Not yet, but there's always the potential. I mean, I, I jot down ideas, and I'll, I'll get a random idea that I conveniently can't do anything about at the moment. Try to write it down so that when I can come to it or add something to a story later, I, I try to. Okay. So, Chloe, have you incorporated any into your writing? Oh, absolutely. Um I have an urban fantasy series that is very long running at this point that has a, a heavy emphasis on you have your good, you have your evil, and then you have your people. And at the end of the day, the people are usually the ones who do all of the worst stuff. And so I, I've played with so many of the demi humanoid stuff. I've played with zombies and with vampires and with shifters and with chupacabra and, goblins and ghouls and all of this and it's always the humans up to the worst of the worst stuff um whether it's because they have uh, urban fantasy magic uh, uh legend kind of of behaviors or because they're just messed up people um but i've played with the roots of a lot of that kind of stuff and and it's those are some of the most fun stories to tell Okay. What about James? You've mentioned that you've written some urban fantasy into your stories. Are there any that you've used that you especially like and then any going forward that you think would be compelling? Uh, yeah. So Felix is basically walking Twilight Zone, so anything urban legend is fair game for him. Um, Bigfoot's been a big one. Uh, I have a shape-shifting shade who... Uh, it's kind of haunting a place and kind of stuck there. So she's twisted around. Um, Devil at the Crossroads. That's been a big one. Uh, I played with like a couple of hitchhiker legends, um, some Vegas stuff. Uh, I would love to work in some like Mothman stuff and uh, some just basically whatever else comes up that I find interesting and funny. All of that's fun to draw. If it's, if it's nope, creepy and messed right. up, I, I probably like drawing it. <laughs> True. Creepy and messed up, I like writing about it. Yeah. And typically turning it on its head. Because I have a uh, zombie story that I'm I'm working on. Uh, a friend of mine wrote it, and then he lets me add my two cents in. So when I have some kind of smart aleck remark or something inappropriately funny to add to it, I'll, I'll do that, or I'll just straight up hide stuff in the background just to see if anybody notices that I did something. Zombies in bikinis is really interesting, and I've seen you draw that. 
Yep. <laughs> I was like, That's hmm. I so, love it. <laughs> it's like, new key I took that picture just for you, Nick. Nick, I took that picture just for you, and you said you'd do nothing with it, and you sold it to John, and I just will never forgive you. Why? We all get a kickback. His success is ours. <laughs> all right. So what about you, Nick? Uh, you've mostly done Capes and Cows, superheroes, and the like, but uh, you've talked – you and I have talked offline about your wanting to branch out to do more than just that with Apogee. So if you were going to dive into the world of urban legends, do you have one you think would be the most fun to do first? Oh, as far as like – yeah. Okay. I really kind of want like a John Constantine, Dylan dog type character, you know, Those someone goes on, you know, cause it, you, you're not just worried about who's going to blow up the bank or steal the girl or the send, you know, mind eating robots or whatever dumb shit that I come up with. We'll make uh, ours Irish. Though, we'll make ours huh? Irish instead of English. That way he'll be funny. There we go. Yeah. Or Australian and just talks like uh, Crocodile Dundee the whole time. Maybe the same getup. He's dealing oh, with like, no. you know, <laughs> crocodile or alligator, crocodile freaking mysteries or whatever. But uh, something like that would be cool. And I, I really kind of want to, I would tackle things like the Chupacabra. And I would probably have them more based around like the border. So like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere around there. Where, you know, we have the desert. Because um, they have a lot of crazy stories. Um mm-hmm. And, and that culture, that border town culture, you know, because it's a merger, it's a an amalgamation of the United States and Mexico. So our urban legends, their urban legends, they get kind of blended, put in the blender, you know, um, and they make some pretty scary shit. So, um, yeah, that that that's probably something I would like to go going further with some of my characters is developing one that's uh, deals with that. Uh, that underbelly, you know, the stuff that we don't talk about, the, mm-hmm. you know, the boogeyman under the bed, the guy out in the woods, you know, that kind of stuff. The, the skinwalkers, oh, that'd be a fun, that'd be fun to do too. I have been up messed with that a little bit. Yeah, go Not on. Not story yet, but I've messed with it. You know, like the dog scratching on the outside door and the person's like, but my dog is inside. What the hell is scratching at my door right now? I suddenly don't care. It can stay out there. <laughs> I suddenly want a I want a shotgun full of rock salt. <laughs> you know. Dimes. I'm gonna, no, no, no. If you're dealing with a skinwalker, you want to high speed shoot his ass with salt. It's <laughs> gonna burn and he's gonna be mad and he's gonna go away. <laughs> so I don't know. I always like the um the monster out of time kind of like which is what the, the Yeti Sasquatch is. It's what Loch Ness monster is. There's a few others that are basically cryptids, which are, you know, prehistoric in nature. I like that, that the history and nerd in me it appeals to. So if I was going to do something, I'd probably do that. And uh, Nick, you said California has a Nessie in the side comments. So tell us more. They do. Um, there's a place up in the, I want to say it's the foothills. I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know it's up in the mountains and there's a lake up there called clear Lake. Um, it has really good visibility. Hence the name clear Lake. But they have their own Nessie called the Clear Lake Monster. And uh, when my parents told me about that, we were visiting some friends. They had this back patio with a hammock that overlooked the lake. And I asked, like, hey, you guys got any binoculars? And I spit, I didn't sleep at all that night. I was so fascinated with this little urban legend. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find this damn thing all night. And they found me in the morning, dead, obviously. No, I mean asleep. Drunk. 
<laughs> no, I was eight, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, I was drunk. He's nine. What kind of do you think he is? Freaking age is 10, bro. So there's also <laughs> Tahoe, Tessie. Tahoe who? Tahoe, Tessie. Tahoe, Tessie. That's a bleat rip uh -huh. off. I'm sorry, Zane got sweet. Well, you know, there's a whole industry around Loch Ness where, like, they get paid to sell things to the uh, to the tourists. So they're never disproving that one. You know I what I mean? Have, that's a yeah. cottage industry that's been for a hundred years. I do have one of the, uh, I guess, Google search windows on my phone open for North Carolina urban legends, just because I wanted to to uh, tinker with that, just to see if anybody that reads my comics would actually. Uh, recognize anything I threw in there because I, I, I like to put random stuff in there that's ran, uh, that people wouldn't wouldn't expect, like fighting um, well-known bands, rock bands. I did, and I, I actually went so far as to make my own supergroup of different dead rock stars and threw them in there just to see if anyone would recognize who I did. <laughs> The, uh, the, uh, the 27 Club for rock stars is a big one that supposedly the urban legend is they all died on their 27th birthday or at 27. Yeah. So, uh, Stabby, Maddie, if you were, you know, future screenwriting, uh, you're making a movie, which would be the first urban legend you would want to incorporate into one of your oh, yeah. um, horror? Um. I, I'd, I'd have to go with what Stabby said earlier about the the stairs in the woods. I feel like uh, if if I kind of did something more with it and made it into a movie, I, I feel like it'd be a good movie. I think uh, I think if I really wanted to make a movie happen, I'd probably make the characters do something with the stairs and then bad stuff starts happening. But... I, I find it really interesting, like Stabby said. I don't I don't mess with that. I, I see stairs in the woods. I'm gone. I say nothing. I'm gone. I I, I think it'd be really cool. That okay. one I that one always freaked me out. But I think the one that the one urban legend that like scares me more than all of them because I mean we all did Bloody Mary as a kid and Candyman as a kid and everything. I think the one that freaked me out the most to this day, I still check my back seat was high beams. Oh yeah. I forgot that one. Elaborate for people who don't know what we're, we're talking about. So the story with high beams is this girl stops for gas she sees this guy coming out he's like yelling and telling her to wait 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 and she freaks out she gets in her car she starts and he gets in his truck and he's following her and he randomly like turns on his high beams and she's like freaking out. She goes all the way home as fast as she can. And every once in a blue moon, he'll hit his high beams. And the whole time she thinks he's after her. And when she gets home, she jumps out of the car. She comes running up the door. Her dad's standing outside. The guy in the truck jumps out of his car and he goes, no, it's not me. It's the guy in your back seat. He would duck down every time I turned on my high beams. And the guy comes out of the back seat. He's got a knife. He was fully intending to kill her, but the guy turning on his high beams was keeping her alive. 
So that one always stuck with me, especially considering I would drive between Las Vegas and California to see this turd burglar. <laughs> this is turd burglar to you. And I would typically leave after work. So I was, it's a six hour drive. I'd leave at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. I wasn't getting here till one or two in the morning. I'd have to stop at rest stops. I'd have to stop at gas stations. So I was constantly like, even though I knew I locked my car, I would still double check my back seat before I got in my car. Because that one's always stuck with me. Like, what if somebody is in my back seat? That one time I It's don't. such a trope. The head comes up between the two headrests in the rear view. And it's like, no, I check my back seat every time I get in the car, man. Every time. Well, in Vegas too. Who's going to I'm a kid of a. Well, I grew up during the Cold War, so like I was more worried about spies. So I was checking under the car too. I don't know what I ever thought I had important enough that they were going to spy on me for, but you know the the Family Readiness Command had us all convinced that there were Reds around every corner waiting to steal our information. Yeah. Uh, back when we thought a desk would protect you from a nuclear blast, you know. The good old days. <laughs> this movie came out when we were kids, JR. Did you ever watch uh, Rooskies? Yes. There's a movie about a bunch of. That sounds familiar. I came across a uh, deserty, deserted uh, Russian sailor. Nice. It's pretty cool. Nice. So, sending you a couple pictures, JR. Okay. So, what about you, James? Are there any that. Um, is there a reason you think some urban legends stick around longer than others? Some die on the vine and some have staying power. So for myself, uh, none really kind of like stick with me until recently. I started reading about, uh, you ever heard of the Dybbuk box? Yeah. The no. Cursed. Uh, it's basically a World War II relic from, I think, some uh, some Jewish mysticism. Um, they summoned a spirit of protection, and then it started killing everything, including the bad people and the people it was trying to protect. So they bound it in this uh, wine cabinet. And so it supposedly was satisfied and stayed bound for uh, a while until the people that did the binding passed away. And so the unsuspecting kept, you know, getting their hands on this and everybody who this box went to started having, you know, terrible dreams, series of misfortunes, uh, diseases, just everything just was like kind of just everything bad was befalling them and they could not get rid of it. It was just like this cloying uh, presence of evil. And no matter what they did to try to appease it, it just stuck with them. And once I read that story, it stuck with me too until I wrote a story to get it out of my head and inflict it on other people. Okay. I just did a movie about that one, about a Dybbuk box. I can't remember what it was called. I'm it was, like, it was an basically Pandora's box. box. Um, I want to say it was called, it was The Possession. Oh, Those are what I'm talking about. You don't mess with mm -hmm. the stairs. No, you don't. Nope. They just, and 
to this alt to anybody walking past them, they go to nowhere. But apparently, if you mess with them, you go on somewhere. You know me, honey. If we go walk in the woods and see that, I'm gonna sprint towards it. I'm coming, Jesus. Damn. There's also a surprising number of uh, stories rich. about. Yeah, there's a surprising number of stories about um, mystical cats of various, you know, marshes and moors that go around and just kill people. Which, having yep. met a few cats, I mean, it fits. You know, jacked up cat on steroids. Yeah, it's going to kill some people. Yep. It goes back to the Egyptians. That's a cat. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that, so, cat goes or have you seen, like, the pictures of the main coons that are basically Grimalkin? The yeah. giant cats that are sitting on the edge of dressers. I'm like, okay, that would... If I saw that in the middle of the night, that would freak me out. There's Not also much. a lot of a lot of stories tied back to you know dead witches from yesteryear that you know are haunting to get even on the families or whatever of people that killed them. Um, and a lot of the ones, a, you, sorry, a, a lot, a lot of the ones, it's almost like the message is, you know, make sure someone's actually evil before you kill them because if you like murder them, you might turn their spirit evil because it's going to want vengeance. Because, you know, in some cases it was like, oh, she was a healer, but because she used herbs instead of Jesus, we got to kill her. And, and, you know, talking about the American Puritan past. And so then you end up with those spirits wanting to seek vengeance. Can you There's a decent number of stories. 11 herbs and spices on your chicken. I know, right? What would the world be if they hadn't persisted? We have a world without KFC, and that's a sad world. That's a sad world. The colonel, I mean, what would he ever have done? He might have been a car salesman. All right, Stabby, you had uh, you had something to add. There's actually um, a town on the East Coast. I can't remember what it's called, and I was just trying to figure out which state it was in. But there's a town you cannot go to. You're not allowed. Roanoke? That might be it. No, that, does, no, that doesn't sound right. Chloe's eyes light up, so we don't talk about Roanoke. It might be, but there's a town out there that the the town itself moved everybody out. They shut down that town, and if you go in there, even if you get injured, they will not come in and save you. Oh, there is um there is one in Pennsylvania where they had the underground fire that's still burning. It's toxic, and they told everyone to leave, and some people didn't, and they just won't go get them. But I, I think it's more from, from toxic exposure. I'm not sure that I can't remember what it's called, but it, it you just Centralia, Pennsylvania is the name of the city. And it's on fire still. Like the underground Yeah, the underground gas coal just I wish I could remember. Yeah. But there's I I was looking for it. I was like, man, I cannot remember what it's called, but there I saw it. Just randomly, it popped up through my YouTube feed, actually, and it was like just random places you cannot visit. And talk about like Snake Island and and stuff and Sentinel Island. Like they won't come save you from that either. But like this town is like right here, and people used to live in it, and they say it's so haunted that you're not allowed to visit it. And if you go in there and something happens to you, <laughs> good luck because we ain't coming for you. It's Silent Hill, you're screwed. right. And so, the random pictures that you find of it, that's what it looks like. It's very Centralia? Yeah, Centralia, Pennsylvania um, is the one that comes to mind. So is there any, like, do you, 
obviously urban legends are all over the place. Everything from extraterrestrials to cryptids to, you know, ghosts and ghouls. Is there an underlying theme that unifies all of them besides just that they're scary? For me, it's always the lesson learned that I liked because it nothing ever happened to good people in, in those stories. It's always the evil shithead that did something that he wasn't supposed to do. And it's like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. Look, I'm going to do it. And then lo and behold, karma bites him in the butt, sometimes almost immediately. And suddenly they regret their decision for being a shithead. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, James? Am I back? Sorry, my Wi-Fi is cutting in and out. Yeah, yeah, you're back. So what about you? Is there a unifying theme, you think? Uh, so I, I really enjoy the, the other aspect, the kind of trying to make sense of that weird thing that you saw out of the corner of your eye or, you know, understanding the random stairway to nowhere or the just door that appears in the middle of the woods. Also very, very creepy. Do not go through those. Uh, uh <laughs> but I, I, that's the main thing I, I like about them is just kind of trying to explain the, the random weird things that you uh, encounter every day and just kind of make sense of them in terms of like your normal everyday life. Okay. What about you? I think there's an answering of what and an answering of why for questions that don't necessarily have answers that you can go prove out with the scientific method what happens after you die why do people behave so badly to each other what was that noise <laughs> that you, you come up with a story that even if it's still a terrifying story the story is more comforting than the not knowing okay do you have anything to I'm add, John? Sure much, huh? I was gonna say, you have anything to add? Uh, I was, I was, I think someone had mentioned something about Roanoke, and uh, since I'm from North Carolina, that's always been one that's uh, entranced me. It's like, how can an entire colony of people just disappear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just poof, magic. I mean, I, I don't know what, but because even if it were the the, the Native Americans that got rid of them there would still be some proof that uh, pilgrims had had been there. But that, that's always fascinating. Like, how, like, I, I think that's what got me started on um, American Horror Story was that season they had about Roanoke. And I was like, what is going on? I mean, I, anything I can always try to learn about it, I try to. Because I just cannot get seem to get enough of it. Yeah, as a Virginian myself, like the Roanoke story has always appealed to me. At first we thought, well, they went towards what is now North Carolina and yeah. they joined the local tribe. They've done some DNA testing um, and they found that not to be true. Um, they, they do know that that tribe had contact with the, Amer uh, with the English because they spoke the language when the people came back later. Um, and some of the housing designs they were doing for their longhouses looked surprisingly familiar. So we're like, oh, they just blended in with the natives. Um, but they did the DNA testing and proved that wasn't true. And now there's been a recent discovery 
of a map that had a, um, cause maps were expensive to make where the Roanoke colony was, yeah. they actually sewed something over it to like cover it up. It was like on the map. So they're thinking that maybe it, they just moved for, you know, weather related reasons. And so with this map, they might know where to redig for the new settlement. That doesn't explain how the answers were gone for so long. Like, why wouldn't that have been documented? Like we found them 12 miles over. Yeah, like, it was like people and everything, from what I understand, it just like nothing was there anymore. One of the ladies that was there was connected politically. I don't remember exactly, but her dad was somebody back in England. And so the idea that they would just have left, I don't know. It's The unknown is partly what's fascinating about that story. Yeah. It almost be sad if we get the answers. On the one hand, like I really do want to know. But on the other, it's like, yeah, but then the mystery's gone. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes speculating about it is half the fun of it. Yeah. yeah, they even covered that in the Glorious Winchester series, uh, that it was some sort of demon virus. More likely the simple answer is the county clerk didn't do the records right, and they just picked up and moved to something that was more lush and sustainable. You know, it's probably a very simple answer, but it leaves that air of mystery, so people's minds are going to go nuts aliens ghosts if i could travel in time that is one of the mysteries i would like to go and figure out i want to know how they build stonehenge i want to know how they really build the pyramids because i don't think it was aliens and i'd like to see what happened to roanoke that's my three damn you got a list <laughs> don't you <laughs> that's you're gonna tell me you don't have a favorite dinosaur dude, do i look like a dude with a plan <laughs> Jeez. All right, all right, all right. If you're going to invent your own cryptid, because you know we are we are at the hour mark, I promise we try to keep it on time. We haven't been doing a good job of that lately, but you know, maybe one day, uh, if you could make your own urban legend with some of the themes that you guys liked about others, what would you do first, Maddie? If you're going to make up your own, tell us what the cool cool kids are saying. Oh my gosh, uh, you gave me no time to think. But from <laughs> what what I what I'm thinking so far, um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the movie Talk to Me. It's uh, it's a newer horror movie mm -hmm. that was released lately. I, as I was saying earlier, I I I'd probably do something like that, kind of mixed with uh like the the stairs in the woods. I I I think that would be kind of something cool. I don't know what object it would be, obviously. But I, I think some concept between uh, a mix of those two would uh, be kind of cool. Uh, for the people who don't know what uh, Talk to Me is, I haven't, I haven't finished it. Um, these people, they, they have this, um, this hand. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's based off and of the monkey paw. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they have this hand, pretty much. Uh, they say, they grab it, they say, talk to me, yeah. and I'll, I'll just say things happen. I'll, I'll just say that. Dark and mysterious things. Way to talk to the people on the other side. Yeah. But don't hold I, on to I, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, so there's that. I've seen trailers. That looks pretty messed up. It was. It was. <laughs> We watched it. It, it, it was, was it was it was messed up. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not going to say anything else because she said she didn't. I also it, so watch horror like... movies as I'm trying to go to sleep, so I apparently I'm just messed up in the head. That makes you a okay. psychopath. So, John, which uh, which what would you do if you were making up your own urban legend to uh, to write into lore and scare modern kids who will think it's real someday? 
I would I would work around some kind of a tale of caution to try to get them to not be the deviant little shitheads that so many of them are. Uh, if you, I, I like the recurring theme. If you're a bad person, you do bad things. Bad things are going to happen to you because of the choices you've made. So I, I would just kind of like Candyman or Bloody Mary, probably something like that. Uh, I, I, just, I, I like the idea of karma. So I, I would just build, build around something like that. Just to mess so you would go me. full Grimm's fairy tales, but not the Disney version. No, I'm, I'm not a fan of Disney right now. <laughs> My favorite Disney movie is Black Cauldron. I think I've seen that one. It's a good one. So, uh, Chloe, if you were going to make up your own urban legend. I'm in the middle of a world-building blitz um, in the, the second world fantasy that I'm doing, and I've been actually building a an urban legend character right now who is a retired paladin. The, the, the type of character who sets down his sword and goes off into the wilderness on his own, never to return again unless and the the stories of what this this character off in the wilderness did before he retired from 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 saving the world and this the adventures that he's had off in the wilderness continuing to save the world and the things that would have to happen for him to come back and step in and make things right again um, I, I, I want to put together a set of, of urban legend stories about this character and the giant cat he rides around on. It's always a cat. It's, it, it, giant cats are fun. <laughs> I mean, it worked for He-Man, so I guess. Yeah. So, uh, James, what about you? Uh, so I, I'm always drawn to like the the long-lived observers. Uh, so kind of seeing how things change and grow. Uh, also, someone who might you know dip out every now and then and come back, and you know, just kind of uh, speculative interaction, that kind of thing. Like you never know who he is, what he's going to be, what he's going to do, that kind of thing. Just something. Loose and ethereal. Okay. What about you, Nick? I don't know, man. There's a lot of things you could do with this. Um, I would like to do a little research on how far some of these urban legends go and where they're rooted at in history and kind of see where it branched off. Because that's one of the things about urban legends. Like some of these are tales that are go as far back as the Middle Ages and they've been modernized, you know, like – the somebody hanging out in your back seat that comes back from, you know, uh, travelers to the Holy land and thieves and smugglers hopping in the back of the carts of the caravans going out to, you know, Israel and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. a lot of these things are rooted in history and I would, I'd like to find it and play with it. And maybe even something as um, simple as uh, like somebody, it, it remind there was an episode of firefly called Jamestown. And where oh, yeah. Jane was his own superhero. And it was because he was trying to pull a heist and he became this folk legend. He became this urban legend with amongst the mutters, you know, yeah. so something like that would, would be entertaining to me. And I think it'd be entertaining to the audience as well, especially those that aren't familiar with Firefly, um, you know, to have somebody that was like a, it was a, uh, you know, a caper gone wrong. And he just somehow ends up walking 
back into that town and someone recognizes him. He's like this, you know, he's this folk hero. Mm -hmm. But instead of revealing, you know, right away, like they did in that episode, that Jane was that hero, it'd be like, this guy would be bearded and dirty and kind of popperish, you know? So no one would understand or even think that it was him. And he's just kind of like, man, I can't believe I'm this famous. And all I did was try to rob a bank or something or, you know, so I'd probably play with something like that. Not this, nothing says that urban legends have to be scary. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just, it's, you know, local folk, folklore of something that was fantastical to the people and they just started to tell stories about it and, you know, it becomes part of their, their history, you know? So I think that would be something fun to play around with. Okay. I don't know. For me, like, uh, according to the definition when we got for Wikipedia, which we've been using just because it's common and it's, you know, modern dictionary, it does imply that fear has to be associated with it. But I, I agree with you. I don't necessarily think it has to be. Um, although, you know, most of these creatures, if you met them in person, would probably scare you. But just reading about them, maybe not so much. Uh, I don't know. I, always, I, I always like the idea of the Flying Dutchman or, the, like, the ghost ship that just sort of haunting. And so I would probably play on something like that. Um, like, I don't know, what about, like, a, a World War II sub that, you know, they didn't want to admit the war was over because going back to boring mundane life was just boring. I mean, anybody that's lived in dangerous times knows that coming back where life is safe, it can just feel unfulfilling. Like you're I've not dancing with death every day. What's that? I said I've been bored since 2005. Me too, brother. And so I like the idea of them refusing to give up until they become almost eternal because they don't die. So you've got like this, I don't know, random submarine or, or some other kind of ghost ship that's just going around wrecking havoc. And it's like, oh, I see another, you know, insert enemy country merchant ship. Let's sink it. So I don't know. I like the idea of the ghost ship with a mission. So... Even if you the mission skipped is, me. Well, I didn't skip you. I was gonna save the ladies for last. You'd lie. <laughs> Would I do that? Only when it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you skip me all the time. <laughs> uh I actually only skip you on the times Nick tells me to. Oh, I'm just throwing him under the bus. <laughs> right under the bus. Head first under the bus. I'm in no. all of the admins. You forget that. Oh shit. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> Just it's Chloe's fault. I was nice to you. It's Chloe's fault. <laughs> so to wrap this one up, I actually started an urban legend and it's still going today and it cracks me up every time I think about it. Go on. Uh, I was living in Oakville, Illinois in the Midwest, <sighs> right in Tornado Alley. And we had keeping Toms in our two square mile town where everybody grew corn and soy. That was it. It was me. And um, everybody's house was very like a German cottage, except for mine, which was a big square gray box. It was brick. Mm. Very Marissa. <laughs> it was very, you know, off the wall. It was just a big gray house. And we had Pee Pee Tom's that swore that the big gray house was haunted. So they like to peep all the time. And I would catch all these little boys like stacked on top of each other, like a cartoon character trying to peep through the windows. So I called their moms and I was like, hey, I'm going to scare your kids. I'm just letting you know. They keep peeping through my windows. I'm going to scare them. And they're like, go for it. 
we're going to film it. <laughs> That's good parenting. That's excellent so, parenting. I put on my wedding dress and I just happened to have went to school for theatrical makeup. So I painted myself completely white, head to toe, put on my wedding dress, gave myself the blood dripping out of my hair, the blood dripping down my arms. And when I heard them all get stacked up, one on top of another, five boys, all peeping through my window, I came down my stairs and I very slowly walked across the living room into the kitchen, circled back, and then I ran out the window as fast as I could. Scared fucking the carry on them. Scared <laughs> the, the mom sent me the video later. I no longer have it. I wish I did. But you see five boys stacked on top of each other, tumble backwards through my bushes and almost into the street. Mm -hmm. And they awesome. never peeped in my window again. But every once in a blue moon, I get a Facebook message saying the new people don't understand why everybody's scared of that house. The new people that bought the house don't know why everybody is scared of that house. And the whole town still tells the story of the lady in white in the gray house. <laughs> I mean, I might actually go there, recreate it just to keep the legend up. Just like, dude, I'll pay you $100 to let me rent this house. Like, hey, can I on your wedding dress? Let, let me know if you need any help. <laughs> that would be awesome. I haven't lived there in over ten years. Oh, that's that's glorious. All right. With, yep, the lady in white in the gray house. As we bring this puppy home, we're gonna let everyone say what they're working on and what they got coming out. So, uh, Chloe, what are you writing right now, and um, how can people find you? Um, I am working on a pastoral fantasy um, in my 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 Veridan universe about magical horses and the the nomadic people who tend them and breed them and the the long stories that go on in those cultures. Um, you can find me on Facebook or on my website Blunder Fiction, um, and I I would love to have. Uh, I would love to have people come hop on and see what I've got, what I've got going on. Outstanding. And we will link all of that in the show notes. Um, John, what about you? What are you writing right now? Uh, right now I'm working on a Spider-Man page that uh, Nick and I were teaching uh, yesterday and I'm looking to blow, blow everybody else out of the water. I know it's not a competition, but I wasn't happy with what I drew last You're night. You're going to blow me out of the water, dude. Come on, bro. Well, yeah, we'll see. He just but said bring your making, buddy. He either said, either way, I, I wasn't happy with what I did last night. So I'm waiting. No, for you had a good layout going. I, I'm, I'm working on uh, Spider-Man and Doc Ock because uh, I'm, I'm waiting for my comic to campaign to start going, I think, middle of the month. It's going to be Tales of the Collective. I, it's an anthology series, and I'm going to have a uh, six-page. I'm not sure what the proper term is, but it's a supplemental story to the Exodus Z comic book that uh, I recently did, and that's going to be kind of the go between uh, between issues one that's already out, and uh, we'll be starting two within the next week or so okay and how can they find you on the interwebs and we will link that on the show notes. Uh, sec seclusion studios on i think all the main uh all the main 
sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. Uh, That's still a thing. I think so. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I was I was getting responses for like a week or two when I first joined, and after that, it's just like, all right, it's like all the other sites. Okay. All right. And uh, we would ask Maddie Stabby, but Witset called us very angry uh, that we did that. So, you know, we learned our lesson. I mean, right, I Jay. can tell you what I'm working on. You could. Why don't you do that? But no no contacts because Witset scares me. Uh, um, I, I, I live in the shadows anyways. You can't find me. Um, uh, I'm currently working on... Uh, I'm still working on a, a Scream 5 remake script. Uh, completely new storyline, new ghost faces, new everything besides characters. I'm keeping the same characters. So, so far, I'm pretty far along in that now. Um, I'm hoping to uh, upload it soon so I can show all my friends and family. Outstanding. And James, last but not least, what are you working on and how can they find you? All right, so most recently I'm working on the third arc of the Felix Chance series. Uh, it's going to be called Off Chance. Um, I'm also working on two other web serials that I write, uh, and I just had an anthology come out uh, with my horror story in it. It's called Behind the Shadows. My story in it is the Iron Sigh, and guess what it's about? The Dybbuk. Um, so that's just fresh out the uh, end of September, you know, just in time for Halloween, um, Behind the Shadows from Inked Publishing. And you can find me on the Facebooks at J.E. Pittman Writes. Uh, on the others at j.e.pittman. And my website is halfacrepond.com or jepittman.com since it's just going to link to the main site. Do you have a half acre on a pond? Or was it Walt uh, Emerson who inspired that? A little bit of all of the above. I have enough space for one. I'm trying to get the pond going, and it's just an old story. Uh, it features heavily in all of my writing. It just kind of gets a, a throw in. Okay. All right. And, uh, Nick, we haven't asked you recently. What the hell are you writing these days? Oh, God. What am I working on? His memoirs. You just finished Bengali 3, so I know because that one should have finished by the time this airs. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm working – I'll be working on three comic books. It's going to take me a while because I'm drawing all three of these. Well, two and a half. One was half drawn, and then the artist went the way of Roanoke and just disappeared on me. What and a I wiener. Pay, I didn't pay him all. I paid him per page, thank God. Otherwise, I would have been out some cash. But I'm working on, uh, <laughs> yeah, Logan I know a guy who needs help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Can you afford him, though? Help. That's the question. I don't know. See, that's the problem. John's expensive. He's the most expensive whore I know. Um, <laughs> hey, you get what you pay for, man. That's how most artists view themselves. We're definitely prostitutes, you know, our, our clientele are, we call them Johns, and we're just doing art whore stuff. But uh, Hey, I've, I've got a Mustang addiction I need to pay for, okay? Yeah, and I, I got a terrible need. So, <laughs> as a Malcolm Reynolds reference. Um, Corvid and Sparrow is what I'm working on, along with the second issue of The Crimson Guardian, starring the Cardinal, and the second issue of my favorite character that I created, the Phantom Hawk, issue two. So, essentially, I'm three days out of, like, I alternate, I'm like, so I'm drawing Corvid and Sparrow, then the next day I'm working on 
Crimson Guardians, and then the next day I'm doing Phantom Hawk, and I'm just oh, going to do that until either the books come out or I die. So whichever <laughs> So I just got back the full edits from our linguists uh, for Operation Copash, which is the first in the oh, – Right now it's Wargate. They haven't seen it, so they might not like it. Who knows? I'm publishing it either way because I love the story, but basically modern Striker Brigade in fantasy Egypt, so the gods are real. Uh, we just got the the first book is done. We just got the edits back from the uh, Arab, lingu Arab linguist specialist. Yeah, I can't speak tonight. Uh, to make sure we got the syntax <laughs> right and, and all the things, and then he gave us the um, pronunciation guide so our narrator doesn't hate us for some of the uh, Arabic expressions that are in there. Um, I, I've learned that you don't want your, your narrator to be mad at you. They charge you more if you make them too mad. Because um, if you make I their job... That. Uh, and so we got our... Also, we had to get the um, um, language for the Australians because if, if I wrote how they really speak, there would be so many C words in there that Amazon would be like, this is too graphic. I will not publish it. So I had to balance American sensibilities with how the Aussies really speak. They used the C word like we use the F word. Uh, and then <laughs> casual conversation, yeah. And then the um, dog that sometimes the literati crowd likes to use sensitivity readers. Well, for an Australian, you need an insensitivity reader, so I had to get you know him to do that for me as well. Um, he's like, Yeah, this guy's not mean enough, totally not Australian, you gotta do better, that kind of thing. Um, so we just got all those edits back that I'll have to go through, and then I am deep into book two. My plan is to finish book two under Nano in November. That'll be my, hit me to 100,000 words. Um, and then be halfway through book three in December because, you know, mama needs a new pair of shoes and I got to get paid. Mm -hmm. And it's stuck in my head for so long. I just need it out so the new voices can have room to talk. Um, and then Nick and I, because we didn't have enough going on, started throwing around an idea for a uh, space uh, exploration comic because you know who needs sleep why not uh, overrated yeah. sleep is underrated yeah yeah so this is the part of the interview dear listener dear viewer where i remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms your reviews help the right readers find the right books so do your part people uh and if you wanted to follow us on the interwebs if you haven't already we are on linktree l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e linktree slash blasters and blades podcast again linktree slash blasters and blades podcast where we link to all the things the bits shoot the rumbles the twitters the facebook group we have a email at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com apparently i did not link that yet so i'll have to go and fix that but that is our email uh for serious inquiries only maddie stabby's uh maddie madam stabby stabs instagram and twitter are linked in the link tree so you can send all the hate mail to her now that we have that uh and finally we have our website at anchor.fm slash blasters tacky and tack blades again anchor.fm slash blasters tacky and tack blades where for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on you can keep stabby and i duly caffeinated we will drink the coffee until our heads explode and nick has to clean up the pieces it is that good uh, he does like not have blueberries. yeah he doesn't have the discerning palate we do stabby like, he's just not as, as civilized I like coffee flavored coffee. He enjoyed the blueberry <laughs> coffee this morning. Don't let him trick you. <laughs> blueberry this morning, he had half of the pot. I'm just saying. I do not have half of the pot. I do not have half of the pot. You're lying out your ass. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, we'll have to get the play-by-play -play of that later. Uh, and again, you can support us over at the Blasters, uh, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades. Or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until, well, I'd say they can't drink no more, but they're not quitters. So I just want you to know that. And with that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, who may or may not survive this marital dispute, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll I be back next week. She's fine. Yeah, we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge <laughs> our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, oh. and oh, he's done for, and all things well, that nice go boom. Nice knowing you, buddy. Nice knowing you, Nick. Uh, you know, I know you saved my life in Iraq, but I, I don't know that I'm going to make it before she can stab you to try to return the favor. Sorry. Welcome, death. <laughs> At least you don't have to pay taxes no more. Uh, exactly. John, Chloe, James, Maddie, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll have to have you back again uh, mm -hmm. for some more shenanigans. Of course. I'm all, I'm all about shenanigans. Sure. Outstanding. And with that, we bid you adieu. And we're